are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with y'all on this Tuesday, we get to recap a Pelicans victory, 114-92 over the Miami Heat. A very good preseason win for the new look Pelicans. Let's break it down. Let's break down how the team looked, some of the individual players who were good, some of the guys who struggled, and then kind of what comes next a little bit. So we got a bunch to dive into from this game in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. All right, so it was a 114-92 victory for your Pelicans over the Miami Heat. First preseason game of the year. And we are probably going to overreact to this a little bit, but it was a fun win after a couple months of no basketball. And really, when you think about how the Pelicans did in the bubble, it's been since like March with no basketball. This was enjoyable, and you should have had fun watching this because this team looked very different than the team that disappointed last year. That said, it's preseason There was no Jimmy Butler for the Miami Heat. There was no Goran Dragic. They ran a weirder rotation and didn't give a ton of minutes to some guys. Um, It was also just, it's kind of like one of those things, right? Like you don't want to read too much into preseason. Bam Adebayo played 19 minutes. That's their best player. So when you kind of look at it from that angle, be a little wary of putting too much value into the results that we saw from this game. At the same time, it's the only game we have that the team's played, so we're going to analyze the hell out of it because that's what we do. That's why you're listening to the show, because you want that sort of stuff. But we're going to keep it within some perspective. Don't forget the Pelicans went 5-0 and in preseason last year. And, you know, it didn't kind of go their way. So keep that in mind as we talk about everything with this game. There's some sort of grain of salt with it. Maybe not like a whole bunch of salt, but like a little bit of salt. So overall, this was really good. The team looked remarkably different than last year. Even when some of the same guys were out there on the court, you saw guys taking a step forward, which you at least want to see. Like you want them to at least look good in preseason, right? Even if you shouldn't put too much stock in it, it's similar to summer league. You should, if you're the best player out there, you should be the best player out there, not struggling, not trying to make an impact. You should have an impact and you should dominate. And the best players for the Pelicans did that. Then other guys were noticeably better than last season. Even if it's a one game sample, it's better than them looking bad, right? That's kind of all you can ask for in this. And if that's your benchmark and your expectations, then the Pelicans passed with flying colors. You saw Brandon Ingram dominate 22 points on 13 shots. He will break down his play in a, in a couple of minutes. Zion Williamson, 26 points, 11 rebounds. That was really good. You saw Nikhil getting a shot falling a little bit more than we had seen in the past. And we saw competent play from Kyra Lewis Jr. All that is great. There was more purpose to this team on offense. They got more defensive stops, and they cut down a lot of the turnover problems that plagued them last year. After getting three within the first couple of minutes of the game, they then really cut that down the rest of the way. The Pelicans finished on the night with 11 turnovers. Three of those came in the first like two minutes of the game. So when you think about it, it's like eight turnovers over three quarters, three and a half quarters. That's really, really good. 
holding the Miami Heat, even without Jimmy Butler and Goran Dragic, to 92 points. They didn't do that once last season during the regular, uh, during the regular season. Now, again, it's preseason. No Butler, no Dragic. Don't put too much on that. But that's good. This team out-rebounded the Miami Heat. That's what you want to see when you're, you know, they cared on defense and actually tried there. That was nice to see, even if they really did struggle at times. So the fact that they did all of that is a very good thing. They had a significant rebounding advantage over the Miami Heat. 51 rebounds to 35. They grabbed 15 offensive boards. You had Stephen Adams grab five and Zion Williamson grab three. That's eight right there. The Miami Heat had seven as a team. They dominated the glass. These were the things and are the things that are going to make this team successful or not this year, right? Structure offensively to be able to play in the half court. You need to get stops. You need to rebound. They did all of that for the most part. That's exactly what you want to see out of this Pelicans team. And then you want to see some of these young guys grow. Some did, some didn't based on one game. So you don't want to swing too wildly either way and say it was this or it was this. You know, he, he, this guy's going to be better than last year or not better than last year. But you're seeing some guys take a step forward. And this wasn't the full Pelicans team that we were going to see. We did not see J.J. Redick in this. We did not see Eric Bledsoe. We got some updates on their situation. Eric Bledsoe had a personal matter he had to attend to, and he left the bubble. So he needs to just pass a couple of negative tests before he can return. J.J. Redick, they pulled him due to contact tracing with an acquaintance that had a false positive COVID test. So they pulled him out of there because he might have been in contact with someone who had COVID, but it turns out that person didn't have COVID. So both of them are fine. Also, established guys, you don't really worry about J.J. Redick. I'm not even that worried about Eric Bledsoe because we at least know what he gives you in the regular season, maybe not the playoffs. But this wasn't quite the exact Pelicans team that you're going to see, and they look good even with some weak links out there. And we'll get to those in the third segment. So coming up here in a second, we're going to break down the the good players. We'll break down the big players too and what they did well and what we saw out of them and why you should be excited about that. It's coming up here in the next segment on Locked on Pelicans. Before we get to that, today's show is brought to you by 1010. You may have read about this in the New York Times or Forbes, and I'm excited to tell you about it. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced in Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful commitment ring, launching exclusively on January 18th at BlueNile.com. And when they're gone, they're gone. We all know that the diamond engagement ring is iconic. It's a timeless expression of the deepest commitment between two people. And with 1010, it's been beautifully re-envisioned in the hands of 10 modern designers working exclusively with sustainability, uh, sustainably sourced diamonds. If you're making 2021 plans or looking for a unique and meaningful way to celebrate Valentine's Day, you're definitely going to want to check this out. Again, this exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launches on January 18th and you can preview it exclusively at BlueNile.com. We're going to talk about him a little bit right now, but I want to do a deeper dive into Brandon Ingram probably on tomorrow's show. So make sure you listen to that, the Wednesday edition of Locked on NBA, deep dive on Brandon Ingram and how he's going to probably dominate the NBA this year based on how he looked last night. And while I say don't buy in too much into preseason, you can look for discernible skills and you saw a lot from him that we're going to talk a little bit about here, but I want to get into a whole lot more about in tomorrow's show. So make sure you listen to that one. 
So yeah, that's what we're going to do in this segment. We're going to look at some of the guys who played very, very well for the Pelicans again in a good win over the Miami Heat with a final score of 114-92. Let's start with Brandon Ingram, who was not the leading scorer for the Pelicans in this one. It was Zion Williamson, but B.I. finished with 22 points on the night on 7 of 13 shooting, 2 of 5 from deep, 6 of 6 from the line. He dished out six assists, grabbed six rebounds, had three steals, one block, three turnovers, pretty good there, and just overall looked fantastic. Very much like the most improved player and like the most improved player taking it to the next level where he'll likely be an all-star again. And if he plays like he did last night, he'll push for an all-NBA spot. I can confidently say that. Maybe third team, but that'd still be a pretty significant achievement for him. He showed off everything in last night's game. Just a complete, well-rounded player, offensively and defensively. Offensively, he scored at all three levels. You saw him with that massive dunk over multiple Miami defenders late in the first half towards going into halftime, which was just a big exclamation point kind of play. Dribbled down the side, down the baseline, then just right over people for a poster. It's an awesome shot. The Pelicans tweeted out that they're like, oh, we got a win and all and a smile on this. And then they showed that picture. There's no smiles in there because all of the Miami Heat players are so embarrassed by what just happened. It's bad tweeting, Pelicans, right? B.I. might have been smiling, but he's probably thrown down the dunk with some sort of snarl and we couldn't see his face in the first place. But he looked good from every level. So he can score down low. He can shoot with that mid-range and cook from there because teams leave that open a lot. And while you don't want to shoot a lot of mid-rangers or inefficient mid-rangers, when you have a guy that hits him above 50% or close to 50%, take that shot when it's open and B.I. does and he sinks him. And that makes him lethal there because they're kind of like body blows in boxing. It's just going to make you open up a little bit more or have to defend that a little bit more. And now your head's exposed. You can kind of get the idea. It just softens the defense up a good bit with those little jab body blow punches. That's kind of what they are. Over time, that adds up and is a big deal. And B.I. showed it off. He can also hit the three. We know that at one point on a break, he had a pull-up three-pointer. The Puget pull-up jumper in transition, but it was a three here. If he does that reliably, the league better watch out. Like legitimately better watch out. Rebounding six boards, it's fine. He doesn't need to do a ton of rebounding when you've got Steven Adams who was kind of swallowing them up and Zion Williamson who was doing a very good job on the defensive glass in this one. And the team as a whole was really trying to play team rebounding defense. I said that poorly, but whatever. Um, And you saw them all swarming after boards. And if you look at some of the guys that had multiple defensive rebounds, Nikhil Alexander-Walker with four, Lonzo Ball with three, Josh Hart with four, Zion himself had eight, B.I. had six. You'll be a good rebounding team, even if no one's getting above 10 in that that category. By the team rebounding, you saw them swarming. A shot goes up, they go for the they go for they they went to the basket. You didn't see this before. They would kind of look around, should I get back in transition? Should I attack the glass? Um, what should I do? And here they knew what they were doing, and it was rebounding pretty much almost always. And so BI 6-4 is good. Six assists is big. You're gonna need him to run point at times because you still see Lonzo Ball struggle with that. And the Lakers have done this. He's always been a very good passer. He did not do it in that kind of free-flowing system that the Pelicans did last season, but he is a very, very talented passer. You saw skip passes, you saw cross-court passes from him, and when he gets double teamed, he does not panic. And he can look and scan around with his length to make the right read and find the open man. He did it. Six assists from him is outstanding. The Lakers ran him at point guard for a while. Pretty much. 
because they knew what he's capable of here. Now he's in an offense where he's going to get to maximize that even more. I'm excited about that. Defensively, he was engaged. That's all you can ask for him. His natural skill set lends itself so well to defense when he's not getting like smashed down in the post. He can just put his arms out in the passing lanes and he pokes balls out. He had a steal by accident in this game. That's how good he can be defensively. He was awesome in this. The league better watch out. We'll talk more about him tomorrow. Zion was also outstanding. 26 points on the night on 13 shots. That's really good. Two points per shot attempt is outstanding. Eight of 13, so 62%, 61.5%. 10 of 11 from the free throw line. Oh, hell yeah. Three offensive rebounds, eight defense boards, eight total. He had two assists, four turnovers. It's all right. 26 points. He was awesome. That is what you want to see out of Zion. The styling's great. The bigger thing was he played 10 minutes and 19 seconds without coming out of the game. That's not a burst. That's almost an entire quarter. That's exactly what you want. He looked slimmer by a little bit than last season, looked better than he did in the bubble, and looked like he's ready to play, as of now, a full NBA season. You didn't see him really get winded out there. He played 33 minutes in this game, and he moved well. Early on, you saw him getting downhill. This is what they meant by using him as a small forward. Get him the ball at the top of the the three-point line. Set a screen or a pick for him in some capacity to give him a little bit of space to start moving downhill. And at that point, it's like a freight train coming and good luck stopping it. You saw a dribble handoff from Steven Adams that went right to, that Zion picked up. Steven Adams cleared out two people with that screen and it gave Zion all the room he needed to just kind of dance and kind of do that huge hop step he has down low to score easily. They'll be able to coexist him and Steven Adams. No problem there whatsoever. Um, And the team looked very good when they were both out there on the court. He said after the game that he and B.I. need to learn to coexist a little bit more. They do, but Stan Van Gundy had a bit of a revealing comment saying that maybe you won't see them play together too, too much or maybe less so than you could because they want to have one of those two guys out there on the floor which is at all times, which is probably the right idea. And then the biggest thing, 10 of 11 from the free throw line. Pelicans got to the line a lot in this game, 31 times compared to just 11 for the Miami Heat. If Zion's shooting it at above 80%, he was 91% tonight, last night, that's really good because teams don't know how to handle both B.I. and him down low, along with Steven Adams, who drew a bunch of fouls as well. They have a built-in advantage there. Free money, as Zion said, at the, at the free throw line. You got to hit those. He did in this game. That's big. So we'll get into a little bit more about this game coming up here in the next segment. I want to look at some of the bad, too. I want to look at some of the other guys. We'll probably talk somewhat about this game tomorrow, too, just because there's a lot to talk about. Seeing our first real uh, look at the Pelicans in basketball here. So coming up in the next segment, more on this game. I want to talk about Nicolo Melli, Nikhil, Lonzo, and some others as well. So we're going to break it down here on Locked on Pelicans. Today's episode is also brought to you by Headspace. Life can be stressful even under normal circumstances, and 2020 has certainly compounded basically everything. You need stress relief that goes beyond quick fixes, and that's Headspace. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of a guided meditation and an easy-to-use app. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better. Overwhelmed? Headspace has a three-minute SOS meditation just for you. Need some help falling asleep? 
Headspace has a wind-down session their members swear by, and for parents, Headspace even has morning meditations you can do with your kids. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. I mean, is there anyone who doesn't Want more well-being in 2020 with everything going on? Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits and 600,000 five-star reviews and over 60 million downloads. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule anytime, anywhere. You deserve to feel happier and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash locked on NBA. That's headspace.com slash locked on NBA for a free one month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. So head over to headspace.com slash locked on NBA today. All right, NBA fans, listen up. The Locked On NBA podcast, which I normally co-host on Wednesday, but am not doing so this week because the Locked On NBA podcast is getting you ready for the start of the regular season with a special week of team preview podcasts all week long, plus waiver wire editions from Locked On Fantasy Basketball and rookies to watch from draft guru Chad Ford. I've got the one on the Pelicans. I'm really curious to hear the one about the Memphis Grizzlies as well. So subscribe to Locked On NBA wherever you get your podcasts, and you definitely don't want to miss the season preview. All right, still talking about the Pelicans 114-92 win over the Miami Heat. We're probably going to talk some more about this in a segment in tomorrow's show when we do a deep dive on Brandon Ingram too because I don't know, it's the first game we've seen. I want to talk more about it. I'm pretty excited. I'm sure you're excited too. So we'll break down some more some of these other guys. I do want to talk a little bit about Lonzo Ball and Nicolo Melli. We'll save Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Kyra Lewis Jr. for tomorrow along with the other guys here as well. Um, but let's focus on these two in this segment because this is where I don't think things were great. And and it's okay. It's one preseason game. Like it, If you don't look great, it's all right considering that these two guys aren't Zion Williamson or Brandon Ingram. It's fine. I want to be very clear on that. So please, Lonzo Ball fans, don't go leave a slew of bad reviews on the show. And thank you to everyone who left a good review after that. I appreciate that. So Lonzo Ball was 5 of 15 in this game. He actually took more shots than any other Pelican on the team. He was 2 of 9 from 3, 12 points on the night, did have 6 assists and 4 rebounds. There was some good from him in this game. You saw him show off flashes of running a pick and roll well. He got Zion Zion's first bucket in this. He at one point showed aggressiveness to at least try and attack. He got blocked, but that's okay. You at least want to see that aggression from him and competent uh, playmaking in the pick and roll. When I did that deep dive on him, we looked at how some of his assist numbers are a little bit hollow compared to all of the passes that he makes. Well, these assists aren't hollow, but they, he should have more assists given the amount of passes he makes. It just is a straight up fact. And he doesn't. And he doesn't even have that many more potential assists, meaning that players aren't like shooting the ball and just missing and screwing him out of one. He makes a lot of passes that don't put players in scoring position. It's connector, not a creator. I really, really like that description. And it's fine. Those guys are useful when they're your fifth option, something like that. So he did a lot more of that. You know, you kind of saw it, but you also saw some of that aggression in that playmaking, him driving, him attacking. That's how he becomes a point guard that doesn't need to worry about Nikhil or Kyra breathing down his neck whatsoever. And a guy who's going to earn a big money contract this offseason, which is what he's playing for this year. And so he showed off flashes of it, but he needed to do it more. 100% needed to do it more. If, if he's going to live and die by the three-point shot, He's an NBA player, but 
that's like you, you hear it in my voice, like that's not what you want if you're Lonzo Ball. Two of nine from three isn't, isn't going to do it when he's not giving you enough of that other aggression. You can have a night like that from, say, B.I. if he's giving you everything else. You even have a night like that from a guy like Nikhil if he's giving you some other things. So what, what else would that be? I'm not sure. And so you get that from, from, say, Josh Hart if he's giving you the rebounds and all of those hustle plays. He was on the ground a ton in this game. From Lonzo, it doesn't work. He's starting to live and die by how he impacts the game a little too much by the three. And for a guy that's a point guard and supposedly a playmaker and a creator, that's that's not how you impact a game by making more three-pointers than not. And that is a concern. But he showed off flashes of being aggressive. You saw him look good in the pick and roll here and there. Do that more in the next game and focus less on, you know, take that three-point shot if it's open. I trust him on that for the most part. But... You've got to do other things because if you have an off shooting night, it's not that he's near unplayable, but he's going to hurt you more than help. And that's not what Lonzo Ball should be doing to a team. Now, Nicolo Melli is an interesting one because you can clearly understand the need for a court spacer out there with Zion, though he did very well with Steven Adams. And then you look at Nicolo Melli and he went two of seven from the field, eight points on the night, one of four from three. So 25% from there, four rebounds. Eight, as I said, eight points. And he had the highest plus minus on the night, 19 points. If you look at that number, and I hate individual plus minus by itself because it lacks context of the lineups that were out there and maybe someone's impacting that more than this guy is. And when you look at that and try and take it on the face, you're going to be, you're going to immediately go, oh, he had a bunch of threes. Well, he didn't, right? Oh, well, he's spacing the court well for other people because you need to somehow justify that plus 19 for him. That's more than what B.I.'s and Ingram's was. In, uh, B.I. and uh, Zion was. Uh, B.I. was 15. Zion was plus 12. So how the hell is Nicolo Melli plus 19, right? Space is the court. Makes the offense good, huh? Not, not the case in this one. This is a very misleading statistic, and I saw it being thrown out there, and you guys need to be um, uh, pay attention to this one. It was not because he helped this team offensively more so than any other big man or did well, for, you know, and then may unlock Zion or BI or something like that. It's not the case at all. Nikola Melli had an offensive rating of 118.9. BI's offensive rating 120.6. Zion 119.1. Steven Adams 120.5. Josh Hart 119.1. Even Lonzo Ball 115.6. His 118.9 is not anything special here. It's his defensive rating which jumps out at you. Brandon Ingram's defensive rating, 98.4. Zion's 103. Josh Hart, 103. Lonzo, 100. Nicolo Melli's was 67.6. That means the Miami Heat, and maybe we'll, you guys need to let me know on Twitter. This is a question I'm going to have and I'll pose out there to you all. Do you need me to do an advanced stat like tutorial if you're new to the show and you don't know what some of these numbers mean when i say offensive rating when i say defensive rating when i say assist percentage turnover percentage defensive rebounding percentage you might be able to infer what some of those are you know what net rating is and what it kind of signifies and tells you let me know because we can definitely do kind of like a, a stats 101 or a stats primer episode if it helps give you all some context around all of this but nico melli's defensive rating 67.6 that would be insanely low we know he's not a good defender. Don't pretend like he impacted that defensive side of the ball that much. It was maybe just that the Miami Heat couldn't make a three when he was out there. And it's more due to dumb luck and variance than anything else. He had a net rating of 51.4. That's bonkers. That's 
Not him spacing the court or doing anything well. This is just his plus minus is really good because the Heat sucked during his time out there on the court, not really due to anything he did. And I find uh, I saw some some you know what bad analysis out there about that number um, and people trying to kind of claim that for certain things. It's not. It's a bit of uh, smoke and mirrors there and a misleading statistic once you really dive into it. I still don't know what his role really is going to be this year. I, I want him to succeed because having a three-point shooting big like that, and he's a cool story from Italy, 30 years old as a rookie last year in a sophomore campaign, is really cool. I'm a big Italian soccer guy, big AC Milan fan, so I'd like to see him do well here just to support the country, right? Uh, he wasn't good in this game, like really wasn't. Um, and that number is misleading. So I wanted to clear that one up a little bit. So tomorrow on the show, Kyra Lewis Jr. We'll look at Nikhil Alexander Walker too. I think those are the guys and, and Jackson Hayes. Let's touch on those three tomorrow. We'll do it first segment. Then we'll do a deep dive on Brandon Ingram. I'm excited about that one. Um, basketball's back. It was pretty fun to watch. Enjoyed the win. Hope you did as well. So big thank you to Headspace. Go to headspace.com slash locked on NBA. And of course, check out BlueNile.com where you can preview the 1010 engagement ring program that they've got going on. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Don't forget, subscribe to the show, leave a five-star review with a comment, and I'll be back with you all tomorrow.